Welcome to the Charlie Reimer Balls in the Air podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Reimer. And I got to tell you, I'm feeling very jolly today. It's my favorite time of year. And uh, I do a good ho, ho, ho. That <laughs> might be my superpower. And uh, just a wonderful uh, way to uh, end the year. I get a chance to spend a lot of time with friends and family. Hopefully, Get out on the golf course some, too, wherever you live. Hope you get some uh, great weather. I know uh, we have some wonderful days down in uh, Myrtle Beach. The locals enjoy it. And um, always a good time to head down to Myrtle Beach. Uh, if, if you're so inclined between Christmas and New Year's, you can really catch some nice weather. And uh, I know I'm hoping to do the same thing. I've got uh, two uh, grown men now, 24 and 25, and and uh, we like to get out and and uh, play a good bit of golf, and and uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll catch some catch some nice weather. And I hope you get a chance to do that as well. But this show for me is is a lot of fun because I've written my letter to Santa, and uh, I, I've got three items on there. That's it. And I'm about to uh, take it over to the post office and get get it delivered up to the North Pole. And and uh, hopefully I've been uh, nice and not naughty. You ne- you never know, but. Uh, my my three uh, wish list items this year, and, and this this pertains to the world of golf uh, for for next year. Things I'm hoping to see happen next year in the world of golf. Or uh, one of them is pretty standard. I wish for it every year. Sort of like you know, January first, I, I start on the New Year's resolutions, the new diet. And some years I don't actually make it to January second. Uh, but I, I'm hoping. Maybe this year will be a little bit different with with item number one, which is figure out some way to find a driver or a swing that I can keep my T-balls on the planet because uh, that's been the bane of my existence. And and I'm I'm so jealous of uh, anybody that knows where the ball's going with their driver. It drives me nuts because I I stand up on the tee and, and I have no idea where it's going half the time. And I've tried, I've tried everything. I've tried going with the stiffer shaft and hitting the hard slice, uh, setting my driver up to where all I can do is slice it. I've gone the other direction. I've, I've gone with a softer shaft, trying to make a smoother swing and turn everything over. I've tried to hit it low, tried to hit it high. I, I think I, I've done everything. I've, I've uh, In my business, I've had a chance to pick the brains of some of the best teachers on the planet. In fact, all the best teachers on the planet, by my estimation. Maybe there's a few out there I haven't talking to, uh, spoken to, but um, um, send me an email uh, if you've got any suggestions. But it, it just golf is so much more fun if you you can put your ball in play off the uh, off the tee. I've I've tried to give up some distance to gain a little bit of accuracy. All that does is put me farther back in the rough. That doesn't work. And so I, I just don't know what I'm going to do for next year. But but that's my number one item on my wish list. I know it's selfish because it's all about me. But um, the days that I do somehow get it together and drive the ball well, I, I really have a whole lot of fun. But most days, if, if you're playing a golf course and I happen to be on that golf course, you probably got a better chance of hanging out with me if you're not in my group, because I spend a lot of time in, in other fairways, up in yards, um, haven't broken any glass in a while in a house or a car, uh, but I have done quite a bit of that uh, in my life. Uh, yeah, the only good thing about it is, is 
is I, is I do get my St. Nine golf balls for free. So um, I, I don't have to worry about looking too hard for them. And, and I get a chance to meet a lot of people. And, and you know, whether it's on the back deck or two fairways over, uh, you, you just never know who you're going to meet out on the golf course uh, when you're um, play, playing a different fairway, a different hole. In fact, I, one story just popped to mind. Uh, back back in the day, I used to spend a decent amount of time in Ireland, especially in the in the summertime. I worked for ESPN, and it was back when I called a lot of live PGA Tour golf, and, and I actually had a business with um, the country rapper Colt Ford. That's not his real name, but um, a good friend going back to junior golf, and it was before he was Colt Ford, and and um, we we uh, had this business. We'd take people to play golf in, in Ireland in the summer. It was, uh, you know, really, it was a great, great gig, and uh, uh, had had a ton of fun with it, and uh, was over there, gosh, I'd say a couple months, pretty much out of every uh, summer, and uh, uh, get a chance to play a lot of the, the, the wonderful golf courses over there. One day I was out playing uh, Old Head, uh, which is, um, if you've never heard of it, you, you don't read much about golf, but it's it's just a rock that goes out into the South Atlantic, and, and there's a golf course out there. It, it took them about four or five years of hauling dirt out there, put on top of this rock before they even started building the golf course. But um, as normal, I'd head it down a fairway that I wasn't playing. I'm walking down the fairway, and a player – Coming up towards me, um, he's actually playing the proper fairway. I'm playing the wrong fairway. And and it was uh, Dan Patrick. Uh, this was before he left ESPN to, to uh, head over to NBC. And and I'd known Dan a little bit because we, we worked at the same company. He was a big golfer. And, and uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was almost like one of those ESPN commercials, you know, like with Peyton and Eli Manning. Um, here here – on this rock in the Atlantic, neither one of us knew that the other ones was there. And obviously Dan is a lot more recognizable figure than I am, but we're just like walking up to each other. And I looked at him. I said, hello, Dan. He said, hello, Charlie. And we never stopped or slowed down or anything. <laughs> we just went to our ball and played it. Now, if I was a straight driver of the golf ball, I would have never even known Dan Patrick was in Ireland playing golf just like I was. We got to catch up a little bit after the round, but uh, you just never know who you're going to meet when you drive it crooked. But I, believe me, I'd, I'd be thrilled to, uh, to um, give up my opportunity to meet people like that um, if I could uh, drive it a little bit straighter because it sure would make golf a lot more fun. The rest of the game I, I don't really struggle with too much, but uh, maybe this is the year that I figure something out. Maybe Santa helps me with some technology, uh, new driver, a new swing thought, and lets me enjoy the, the game just a little bit more. So uh, I, it, I'm about to turn 54. So at 54, I still have a little bit of hope. And I'll keep playing, even if I do drive it crooked like I've done the last 30 years. But uh, it, it sure would be a lot more fun to figure out where it's going off the tee. All right, so let's get to item number two on Santa's list. This uh, seeing Tiger Woods hit balls over in the Bahamas at, at his, uh, his tournament, uh, to me is really fascinating. And, and, uh, just, just looking back at Tiger's career, the great golf that he's played, the, the drama, the norm, normal humans, and he's not a normal human. I, I think anytime you look at, you know, once a century type athletes or greatest ever type athletes. And, and I, I don't know that I'd put Tiger above Jack Nicholas, but I, I, in my book, I have them, 
you know, on the, uh, the same plane, and they're very lonely on that plane together because nobody else is going to ever get there with them. I don't think anyone else is in that debate, and maybe never will be of, of greatest of all time. But having been a, a PGA Tour member when Tiger came out and occasionally seeing him, uh, playing a practice round with him a couple of times, and then getting into TV as as uh, he was starting to to really come onto the scene, the whole Hello World moment. In fact, I was playing that week, and and that was up in Milwaukee, and 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 just seeing the the whole thing build, and as I slid over into TV and started doing work for for ESPN and and uh, USA Cable, getting to go out and and uh, <clears throat> and and call a lot of his golf there in in the um, starting in the in ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, and and just see the rise of Tiger. Um, for up, up firsthand, uh, be able to, you know, be the guy from time to time out there calling the shot, reading the lie and, and, uh, not being that far removed from golf and really having an appreciation of, of what I was seeing J- just incredible. And then, uh, um, the ups and the downs and the injuries and the U S open and the broken leg and, 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 and that whole saga, um, I'd switched over to Golf Channel by then and was was more of a of a studio analyst, although I'd still call a little bit of live golf. And then the fall, the fire hydrant, I was actually um, the only um, analyst that was attached to the studio in Orlando uh, during that time. And, uh, you know, getting called in at, at, at all hours. All the other analysts lived out, out of town. They'd have to fly them in. And it was just 10 minutes for me to get to the studio and found myself answering questions that, that – uh, I certainly wasn't qualified to, to try and answer. And I was honest about that as well. I felt more like Dr. Phil sometimes with, 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 with some of the questions coming from, uh, coming from, from the, the folks that had to ask the questions. And, you know, we're trying to a- uh, answer questions about Tiger when there's really no information that flows. And uh, e- even now there's no information that flows from Tiger. So a lot of times I think you hear people um, that are in my position as an analyst uh, try, basically trying to get medical opinions. Well, they don't know what in the hell they're talking about. They don't have enough information. You know, even if they were a doctor, they don't have enough information to answer the questions. But there's such a strong curiosity, and you're being paid to answer questions, and, and uh, uh, it, it's it's hard to give a, I don't know, I'm not qualified. You know, when you're being paid and you're sitting there and the cameras are pointing at you. So really, really challenging times there. And then the, the uh, mea culpa, uh, when he basically apologized to the whole world, uh in, in front of his mom, that was very emotional for me. I come from a family, we've had a lot of addiction issues, and, and I viewed viewed um, that situation as, as uh, someone dealing with, with some addiction issues and some other issues, and I was a little emotional, and, and um, as soon as uh, the uh, press conference in, uh, ended, what really wasn't a press conference, but it was, it was something that we were covering live on Golf Channel, the next thing I know, there's a camera in my face, and I'm a little bit of emotional about it maybe a tear in my eye and and just you know watching a a family fall apart was something that was very emotional for me and and I I think it was for a lot of people but I I got a lot of heavy criticism over that including uh, I believe it was Jimmy Fallon they called me the crying golf announcer so uh, that that wasn't a whole lot of fun but you know I'll I'll stand by my comments and and uh, you are who you are you know you can't really cover it up you look at a situation some people get mad other people get emotional for me it was emotional and and that's something that you know I've never apologized for 
and I never will. And then uh, watching Tiger go through the struggles of trying re- re- to rebuild his game. Um, when when he came back during that whole situation and and teed it up in the Masters, I was actually the lead analyst for uh, Westwood One Radio, a uh, position there at 18 Green. I'll never forget Tiger teeing it up in the Masters, all the buzz around. There was planes flying around with pulling signs behind them. Some of it was rude stuff, and I don't know how those planes didn't get removed from the airspace there. But uh, just seeing you know all of that drama and then – Tiger struggled mightily with his game, the the yips with the chipping, the yips with the driver. Somehow, uh, I always figured that he would get through it, and, and I, I was very consistent in that. A lot of people called me crazy. And then uh, to watch him win at, at Eastlake at, 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 the, at the FedEx Cup, not the FedEx Cup, but, but uh, the Tour Championship, and and a golf course that had meant so much to me because it was my home golf course when, when I was at Georgia Tech. And uh, the, the fans come out from behind the ropes and march down um, the golf course. It was the home of Bobby Jones for so long when it was the Atlanta Athletic Club for years and years. And, and see something that historic and that neat and, and watch Tiger come back and win. And then uh, um, being the lead analyst again for Westwood One, sitting uh, in, in a tower at 18 Green with the great Mike Tirico uh, as, as Tiger won the Masters after going through all that he had gone through. Uh, it, it just unbelievable uh, drama, unbelievable seat that I've had to um, throughout my career to be able to watch and observe and comment on so many great moments. And then um, Tiger getting in this horrible accident, which we found out from him just recently at one point, maybe losing the leg was something that was um, being considered. Um, I believe he said it maybe wasn't quite 50-50, but it was being discussed. And then just wondering, you know, is he ever is he ever going to come back and play again? Is he going to play recreationally? Is he going to play competitively? See, seeing, hearing all of that, not getting any really information from him, and then just this past week, watching him hit golf balls at his tournament in the Bahamas and watching that swing, not as fast as uh, we were used to seeing Tiger, but certainly looking really good. And that that leg, you know, bound tightly. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's heady stuff. And you could say, well, you know, it, it's the stuff of, of, of movies, and it is, but it's the stuff of uh, trilogies and a series of movies and some of the just the greatest drama that we've ever seen in sports and and um, it's it's just amazing to watch the ups and downs of what he's been through. So when I say on my wish list that I'm wishing to see Tiger tee it up next year in a major championship and stick around and play for the weekend. I, I I don't I, I think it might be too much to to wish for him to be competitive in a, in a major championship. Um, and it's easy to say, well, if he continues to recover, that uh, that might become more and more likely, considering who he is and what he's done. But the problem is, as he recovers, that just the damage that his body's gone through between this accident and all the other things that, that he's had to endure. The deeper we get into his career, I think the less likely that uh, he will be competitive or have a chance to win. And I think if that came to fruition, it would certainly be at a major championship or one of the, one of the venues on tour that, 
that's that's a little bit shorter. None of them are short, even though we call them short. None of them are short. But but um, yeah, I, th- I think the reality is he's looking at if he is competitive, you know, p- playing a kind of schedule that we saw Bobby Jones play after he retired, which was basically the Masters, occasionally get out and 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 play an event or. Uh, Byron Nelson occasionally would get out and, and play an event. Uh, ben Hogan, uh, more active than the other two, but maybe that's something we'll see from Tiger. And um, when we do see that, I think uh, the the appreciation will be strong from all quarters because that's been something else has been really neat to observe. You know, it was a love Tiger, build him up, um, build him up, build him up, unreasonable expectations, and then I think sports fans or society in general, the only thing they like doing more than building an athlete up is tearing them down. And, and uh, we saw that go, I think, to an extreme the other direction. And, and, I, and I think now people, uh, their opinions have moderated a little bit more of Tiger and, and there's a, just a strong appreciation of, of what he's been able to do on the golf course. And while some folks might be still a little bit angry over – uh, what what he's done away from the golf course, people also are a little more understanding and that uh, there's always a lot of nuance in life. I'm not making excuses for anybody, but there, there's always some nuance there. And, and I think some of the anger that was so strong uh, is, is maybe gone. Believe me, the anger was strong because I can tell you my days at Golf Channel, uh, when we were commenting on Tiger, the number of calls that would come into voicemails that the announcers desk uh it would, it would be massive and uh half the people would be cussing and yelling at us and telling us we're idiots and the other half would be telling us that you know we're brilliant and it was a very divisive time and and uh tiger certainly uh, uh it, <laughs> was a figure that was divisive to the point that a lot of people don't realize uh, tiger for many many years wouldn't, wouldn't even go into a locker room um because his lo- locker was always just stuff full of things and requests and all and and the, the pressures on him um the threats to his security his family uh just unbelievable and I, and I think over the years as some of that comes out I don't really want to comment on much of it but um uh some things will come out over the years that I think people will be really shocked by learning what Tiger had to deal with in, in a similar way to learning a lot of the things that uh, Hank Aaron had to deal with in, in baseball as he tracked down uh, Babe Ruth's record. And and there'll be some things that'll come out that'll that'll really be shocking to a lot of folks. But um, just, just tracing that whole story, I, I think it's reasonable to wish considering who he is and what I saw last week in the Bahamas with his golf swing is – is seeing him play four days in in a uh, major championship during 2022. Uh, I, I think obviously the the best place he best chance he has would 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 be Augusta, uh, Southern Hills. Of course, he's won at Southern Hills um, and a little bit longer golf course. U.S. Open Country Club, uh, the Country Club in Brookline. I'm thinking that golf course. I haven't really dug into the setup for the U.S. Open next year, but it doesn't strike me that that's a particularly long golf course uh that 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 you would look at and just say hey folks that are the the power hitters are the ones to watch this week so um who knows uh i think maybe uh, the old course at st andrews might be a neat place especially if it's playing firm and fast for uh, for 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 tiger to have a chance to stick around the weekend so it could be a very interesting um 
year for Tiger next year. I'm hoping we see him play with his son Charlie in the in the uh, father son, the PNC uh, in in Orlando here as we head into Christmas. That would be pretty neat. Now I'm I'm very certain that's why he's practicing and getting after his game and. And uh, we saw him hitting so many balls in the Bahamas. So anyway, that's item number two. I'm sorry it took a while, but tracing all that with Tiger takes a little bit of time. The The final item on my uh, letter to Santa is uh, hoping we get the uh, business of playing professional golf, global professional golf, cleaned up a little bit. A lot of controversy um, that's been around, if you're not aware of it, uh, the, the, the PGA Tour um, is an organization that is essentially owned by the members. And uh, there's a board that, uh, that runs it. Part of the PGA Tour is nonprofit. Part of it is profit. Uh, there, there are PGA Tour players that are on the board, but mostly it's governed by uh, outside directors. And um, essentially it exists for the benefit of the, the, the tour members. And um, when you join the PGA Tour, you sign your rights away you you basically say i'm not going to play in a competing event anywhere in the world uh, uh unless the tour releases me to do so and they've uh, traditionally done that uh, for most top players two or three times a year and if you play a few more pga tour events they'll give you another release and so that frees players up to travel overseas and go get nice big juicy appearance fee money but at the same time the PGA Tour can tell its sponsors that we can't guarantee you what players will play in the event that we're asking you to drop 10, 12, 15 million dollars on to sponsor. But we can tell you that all the top players won't be at at another event at the same time to compete uh, against you and your investment. And and that's basically what the agreement is. And uh, there, there, while there are other professional tours and a lot of players that are members of the PGA Tour or uh, members of those tours, the South African Tour, the European Tour, primarily uh, the European Tour, the Asian Tour, that, that sort of thing. And, and there's certain provisions in there where if you're a member of one of those tours and the PGA Tour, you can get some additional releases to play and support your home tour. But there's never really been another tour that's risen up and challenged the, the PGA Tour until now. And uh, what makes it really interesting is uh, the, the main challenger, and there actually are two, um, the, the main challenger is now headed up by Greg Norman. And uh, uh, that's right, Greg Norman, who famously challenged Tim Fincham to, uh, uh, in, in, in starting a world tour. And, and the commissioner at the time, uh, his response was starting the, the uh, WGC events. And, and um, that, that basically took Greg's proposal of doing a world tour off the table. Uh, but what's different about it this time is it's, it's money from Saudi Arabia. And I'm not going to get into politics, but um, obviously that's a controversial government and regime there. And, and um, players oftentimes are given opportunity to go play, take a lot of a lot of money to, to go play and 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 Saudi the, the 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 Saudi Arabians spend a lot of money in sports the term's called sports washing they're trying to uh, clean up their global image by investing heavily in sport and and the dilemma is if you're a professional athlete do you take that money do you not take the money um, all of that gets complicated you, you look at the Olympics you know, if I'm a Olympic athlete do I go 
play in China. It's the Olympics. It's my only chance to compete. But obviously, there's some issues with China as well. A lot of the journalists uh, have really strong opinions about it. It definitely will be controversial. But uh, Greg Norman now and and uh, the Saudi back tour uh, have reportedly gone after a lot of top names and throwing a lot of big time guaranteed money at, uh, in particular at players that are you know, in their forties. Uh, Phil Mickelson has been linked to to uh, getting big offers. You know that number is a hundred million plus guarantee. Players like Henrik Stenson, Lee Westwood. 40, 50, 60 million dollars uh, guaranteed money to come over and play that tour. Uh, a few others as well, Graham McDowell, some other name players. That tour actually is tied in with the Asian tour now. So uh, some of their events will be officially sanctioned and get world ranking points. So there's just all kinds of crazy things going on out there. Tiger Woods has come out very strongly supporting the PGA tour. Um, he says that's his legacy and he's going to support the. PGA Tour. Roy McIlroy has been very vocal in his support of the PGA Tour. Roy McIlroy, one of the board members, uh, PGA Tour, and and um, it it's uh, a really interesting situation with a lot of dynamics going on. It's uh, something potentially uh, could be very disruptive to the world of golf, and and um, I. I I do know that if you're a top 50 player in the world right now, you got people fighting over you. So that that's that's one positive from that perspective. But uh, the players that do make that jump, it's been threatened by the PGA Tour that they'll be banned from the PGA Tour. Is that legal? Nobody knows. Uh, there there's going to be lawyers on all sides of the situation, and it's something that's been discussed. Um, not under the table, but quietly in dark corners for going on five, six, seven years now. So it's not not anything that's new, but it's progressed to the point that it's potentially very disruptive to the to the world of golf. And a lot of the the arguments uh, for breaking away or that the tour doesn't get enough money uh, to its top players, and and there's some evidence to support that. Uh, but at the same time. Um, the PGA tour has been very good to a lot of people. Uh, I, 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 everyone gets paid on Monday, uh, by, by a, and has been for a long time by a direct deposit transfer. And, and that's something that's unquestionable. So, uh, just a lot going on, uh, developing, uh, I've got an idea that it could get pretty nasty. I don't know if it's going to get cleaned up in 2022, but that's my wish list. I, I think if, uh, we can sort of get that situation settled down. The, the quicker, the better. And I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to challenge a PGA Tour. I do know that. But I also know when there's hundreds of millions of dollars and maybe billions of dollars on the other side that are making that challenge, that a lot of lawyers can get involved in that situation can get very complicated. So d- definitely something to, to keep uh, keep the eyes on. So there you have it. That's my Christmas wish list. Straighten out my driver. I know that's selfish. See Tiger tee it up on a weekend in a major championship in 2022 and get the business of professional touring golf cleaned up globally. I think that's a pretty reasonable wish list, except for um, straightening my driver out. I just don't know how that's going to happen. But maybe, 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 maybe this is the year. So we'll just see. Well, folks, uh, best wishes for a wonderful Christmas and holiday season. Hope you get a chance to spend time, preferably on a golf course with the 
people that uh, love you and that you love. And um, hopefully some of that can happen in Myrtle Beach. And as always, if you're interested in booking a trip down to Myrtle Beach, uh, check out PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. They will get you hooked up. And uh, if you're interested in coming to Myrtle Beach next year, in particular, if you're looking at spring and fall, you better do it quickly. We've got a lot of golf courses in the Myrtle Beach area, but they're filling up fast. So uh, get aggressive, make your plans now, and hopefully we'll see you in Myrtle Beach sometime in 2022. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, ho, ho, ho. And uh, we will be with you again soon right here on the Charlie Reimer Balls in the Air podcast and make sure you follow us and like us wherever you receive your podcast. Mm-hmm.